Okay, you're on. Am I audible? Am I? My? Do I sound like you can hear me clearly? Why can't you see me? I can't see you too well, but I can hear you. Wave your hand. Yes, I see you move. I see you move. It works. <laughs> Nobody move. Nobody <laughs> move from where they are. Everybody, all of you are in the right place. <laughs> Hi. During one of my visits to a restaurant in my city, there was an event where I was asked to get in touch with a woman who raised her hand to know more about her organization, and that's when I met Manmeet Arora, and we discussed what she does, and from there I learned that there is something that does not discriminate against race or age or gender, for that matter, and that is human trafficking. Unfortunately, Manmeet runs the Indian division. of you can free us an organization that works towards fighting modern slavery and this is take 21 of stories with shastri and i'm just going to try to add her on hi hi tell hi. me and my listeners a little bit about yourself a little bit about myself okay i'll just uh, make it quick i'm an interior designer i am from the east of india i studied in the north i went to boarding school in the north and then i've come to the west i've been here since 2000 i live in bombay and i i finished my education here you know uh, worked with a few firms here started my own business settled down found my husband here so yeah this is where life is but i you know as much as i was i enjoy designing and it fills all my creative uh, desires and uh, it's 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 a lovely profession to be a part of and you meet great people and you collaborate and you know you create beautiful things i just felt like i wasn't being fulfilled at a certain level and i was searching something deeper and um it had been a few years and i i wanted to reach out to a few women centered organizations and i felt like maybe this is where my heart is to work with women who are struggling the cause of women has ha, has always been close to my heart i think just growing up in a patriarchal society yeah and seeing different ways uh, different kinds of abuse that women go through and uh, yeah. just being blessed enough to not have had to go through anything like that made me feel like i wish i can help others in some way yeah. and I was looking for an organization to work with when I came across Sujo George the founder of You Can Free Us and we connected you know really well right from get go and interesting that I'm having this conversation with you I don't know if I've ever told you this before but the first thing that the organization needed like when I you know joined them and we started discussing you know what can we do together there was a small wedding ceremony that was happening it and it's still a big victory for the organization because one of the girls who was you know and we'll talk about this later i'm sure in more in depth but one of the beneficiaries was getting married and it was the first one that was happening in the organization where the organization had arranged a small ceremony and they were looking for a photographer this is now 3 years ago and yeah unfortunately i didn't know you then So yeah. I was going helter skelter. I said, "Okay, you know, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to find a photographer. Don't worry." And I'm yeah. calling up. I called lots of friends, and you know, friends are calling friends, and I'm speaking to photographers. And somebody has to be free on that day to come all the way to Thane because that's where the ceremony was. And of course, we wanted someone to do it pro bono because the organization was already going out of their limits, you know, hosting a marriage. So they were doing it in. 
their limited means so i was like don't worry we'll find someone who wants to be a part of something so beautiful you know someone who's just had a battered life gets a chance to actually experience love for the first time you know this girl was sold by her uh, step stepdad and then again resold by someone who wanted to marry her so she was giving she was brave enough to give life a second chance so so yeah why you know i i was confident i'll find someone and it took some time and we found someone and uh, those pictures are still so special to us i'd love to uh, share them with you some day but yeah i wish i knew you back then my struggle would have been so much easier <laughs> i wish i knew you too i would have loved to you know photograph that and be a part of that more than anything it yeah, i know i know you would have loved it yeah that's why what made you join you can for years and also what does it do so for the people listening sure. who have no idea about it right right like i said I, i there was a part of me that wanted to work with women and i was somewhere bent a little bit towards uh, women suffering from domestic violence because i felt like that is really prevalent strongly prevalent in our society and in all classes but while i was finding my path there this came and this was an opportunity that came to me and i grabbed onto it and it's been 2 3 years so um now i'll move to telling you a little bit about what you can trias does so it's you can trias is an international organization that's based in six countries united kingdom the united states canada poland norway and india the main operations happen in poland and in india in india we have three safe houses and two training centers in thane our uh, team works very closely with the government and the police officials to hold rescues and these girls are rescued from various red light districts of maharashtra bombay thane pune but a lot of these girls come from different parts of the country sometimes even different parts of society it is surprising how girls get pulled into this trade sometimes just by someone who is promising them a dream in the fashion world you know and there'll be yeah. a girl from a very middle class family relatively educated you know somehow gets caught in this and then of course there are girls who have come who who basically have reached here because of poverty and some have been sold by their own family members and um boyfriends so to say um coming back to what you can free us does uh, we also have a rehabilitation where we have the space for about 35 girls about 75 girls have already moved out of you can free us and reentered society so wow. the programs yeah i know they our team we have a, a team of 11 people who are employed in house and they do a fabulous job they bend their backs and their first primary uh, interests always lie in the well-being of the beneficiaries so that is you know we're grateful to have a team like that and uh, yeah so coming back to uh, the those uh, this various uh, services skills that the girls are provided with of course when they come in they go through a thorough medical examination they are also provided with any legal help some of them are involved in court cases that they are witnesses to larger crimes so they are provided with the legal aid then they are also um, provided to uh, sit for the nios national institute of open schooling where they can give their 10th and 12th this is for the ones who have studied maybe up to 6 7 8 then they kind of get tutored to give their 10th to start with but the others start with their basic education english um, speaking is also something that we you know put emphasis on 
life skill training is very important they are they are unaware of basic life skills you know it's it's really sad because they very often just lived in dungeons in dark spaces from the time they were really young so they really need to understand basic hygiene so detailed life skills training how does one interact in the outside world even decision making is something that's taught to them at the organization um of course our main interest um our lies in finding the unique talent each person has some unique talents so yeah. we always want to try that talent and help them how to hone that talent so for someone who's not very educationally inclined or is much older or has disabilities can also get into other um, you know vocation vocational activities that we conduct we have jewelry making tailoring and um like artwork like making different kinds of artworks these are our most prominent ones and we also participate in exhibitions where we showcase a lot of the products that they make of course we're trying to enlarge our business end because now with uh, the current situation and poverty only increasing the funds the funds for charities are going to get further distributed you know into so many other spaces even covid related people need basic amenities right now so for charities like us we we feel like now it's time to really start you know in engaging in more entrepreneurial activities and creating a business out of products so that's our focus this year to do that right so when you uh, rehabilitate them is there uh, also psychological counsel that is provided to the women and children yes absolutely and we're trying to build this further and further because um, we're realizing that this is kind of the crux of their well-being but yes they go through group therapies personal therapies we have a visiting counselor and two of our staff are trained counselors so they have it in house and they also have someone who comes and you know sees their progress even like a specialist from the outside they we also used to have an art therapist who used to conduct sessions where now on like i was telling you we were looking for another art therapist because we felt like all kinds of therapy are useful in a space like this they can do with as much therapy and love as you know there is out One. there yeah that is true so what uh, to the people listening also the term modern slavery doesn't ring a bell for many so what exactly constitutes as modern slavery so modern slavery actually is quite a large umbrella and it has a few things that fall under it uh one of course is um the victims of the sexual trade it's usually women and also children anyone under 18 we would put them under the mm-hmm. under children are there men too so yes men but those are usually much younger boys yeah okay. but yeah but the red light district visits that i have had i haven't spotted boys in those areas so they are obviously located in other spaces and other homes that and have other ways of being uh, sent out to the clientele which i haven't seen for myself but yes we have uh, statistics that say that even young boys are a, are a big part of the sex trade industry so besides the sex trade there are about i would say there are about six more that fall under this umbrella one being domestic servitude right. so when a when a domestic help is not allowed to leave by their own will or is abused physically sexually it it falls under modern slavery right 
and uh, i the little reading up that i did with along with some uh, some pointers that you shared with me it also in, involved forced marriage the unlawful recruitment of children to be child soldiers yes and organ trafficking which i didn't realize that organ trafficking was i didn't think about it as actively as i should have ideally so we have a question that i would like to address uh, uh is that could you explain uh could you explain the law and framework of implementation of said laws in regards to child labor voluntary or otherwise and prostitution or solicitation sure so for child labor we the first law that came out was in 1896 and yeah. it's yeah and as per that which still stands true is that until the age of 14 a child is not allowed to work in any hazardous conditions so anything that impairs the development uh, mental and physical development of the child so they shouldn't be in working in any of those conditions this law gets abused in a few ways um sometimes uh, their family led um, you know businesses where the children are made to do you know a lot of work they may be not attend they may not be attending school and they may be working all day so even part time work in hazardous conditions are not allowed you see pictures of children you know being mechanics welding working in mills all of that is illegal yeah so there was this one thing i saw on brute i think where they did a they did a documentary about this little place in jharkhand where there were children who would be sent into the mines to uh, find a particular substance that is used in major makeup brands and stuff like that yeah, so yeah there is also something like coming back to you know uh the whole concept of modern slavery i want to get a few basics right uh there's something that that i learned recently on a zoom call with vikun freyas is that there's something known as a slavery footprint and i had no idea that that existed so what is the slavery footprint it means that each of us for the number of products that we use for the phone that we use the clothes that we wear if we are not careful and it's not even possible today because almost 80 to 90% of the brands are stuck in the slavery trade in some way or the other and are not able to make their way out of it or it it costs too much for them to do so 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 where so everything that we use today literally what you and i use falls under some of the other way where there's a a child labor or a forced laborer being made to work to create that product for us so phones clothes from the largest brands uh, of clothes and the, especially the fast fashion brands they are able to yeah. produce the clothes at the speed that they are able to produce is because of the low uh, income that their factories are providing they're working in sweatshops you know for 20 hours a day 18 hours a day in conditions that are not humane at all so it all of that falls under the slavery footprint and we all have a slavery footprint i was actually you know funnily before going live right now there was this online survey that i found which asked which where i could tell my slavery footprint so they asked me a bunch of questions about what all i had at home whether what i eat what kind of food how often i consume it how many clothes how many gadgets and it turns out that i have 25 an average of 25 slaves who are 
allowing yeah. me to live the life that I am today. Yeah. And that is a mind-boggling number. So it's how could we work towards reducing it from whatever we can do right now? Yeah, I think that was being generous from the survey that we had once uh, worked on and found. We came across that it's 50 is the number, that each of us have 50 slaves working for us all the time, each of us. How can we reduce the number? Yes, of course, there are a few, like we know the clothing industry is abusing this at a whole other level. We can be more conscious of which brands are, uh, are, are conscious of the same. So we know, like, for example, I, I don't want to really get into taking names, but I'll just give one example. Like, we know that Marks and Spencer is more careful than Alzara. We know something like, like this. The minute you go to do some research, you'll find out. So that's the only way to go about it. And of course, holding these brands responsible. If there, if there could be organizations that would work towards holding these brands responsible and asking them the difficult questions. Okay. Coming to, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge, like societal acknowledgement, why do you think that we don't acknowledge the existence of modern slavery or human trafficking enough? I think it's been such a, such a taboo from the time of get-go. You know, yeah. it's just something that, like even me, when I was looking to work with women, I'm thinking, I'm looking towards domestic violence. This didn't cross my mind. It just doesn't cross your mind. We live in the city of Bombay where we have nine red light districts. Some, I just have to go half an hour. Yeah, nine. I only know about Kamati Pura. There's Turbe and there are seven more. I've only been to these two. But yes, there, there are nine. So... You know, I, like, I just need to go half an hour to my left or right and I'll probably be in a red light district. But it's so easy to ignore. That's just how it's been. So getting it in the forefront is also, it's also a big challenge. Right. And how easy is it to help? Because uh, does our system facilitate the people who try to help victims of modern slavery or human trafficking? Because sometimes people... From what I can understand, sometimes there's always an apprehension that the helper will get harassed. That's not true. If you work with an organization such as ours or others, other non-profit organizations, there is no harassment at all. In fact, nobody's telling you to go and rescue the victims yourself. We, we do very trained, planned rescues. So you don't have to be a part of anything dangerous as that. But creating job opportunities, creating opportunity CSR initiatives with companies where um, the beneficiaries can go through trainings just so that they can get a respectable job and re-enter society and live a more fulfilling life. So just the little things that can add to them in that way is the best way that we can actually help them. Right. How important is it to get the consent of a person that you wish to help? It is. It is extremely important. So there are two ways that this works. When the government uh, and the police holds a, holds a raid and manages to rescue a few victims, the ones that are under the age of 18 go to the CWC, which is the Children's Welfare Organization, the government organization. And they stay there, receive their counseling, education, all of that in the government organization. The ones that are older, 18 plus, they go through two weeks of counseling and therapy provided by the government. At that point, it is their choice to understand their options. 
and this is where organizations like you can free us come in who go and meet these girls present who we are try and gain their trust because honestly their trust has been broken so many times that sometimes they're just like why should we trust you and come to stay with you how is that going to help us so they have to be explained very carefully and categorically and to understand what a, what what is going to be the pro of moving into an organization like you can free us so most organizations are are uh, working with uh, beneficiaries who are 18 plus the ones that are below 18 are mostly government governmental organizations they also require a special licensing process so there are few there are very few in that space so so once those girls uh, when they become majors they go through the same process of meeting different organizations if they want further rehabilitation so then they if they feel like oh i just managed to do give my 12th in the government organization i want to pick you know do my graduation or i want to learn a particular skill then our team has built very good ties with the government organizations and and they get called saying that this girl is really keen to come to you can free us that is when they meet and they actually sign a form in saying that they are coming joining you can free us with their complete consent and they will follow all rules and regulations which we apply you know we work like a proper hostel which is even stricter in many ways you know yeah. for their own yeah for their own care so they come by their own consent the minors however of course are supposed to stay within the government organization right and i i understand that but is there uh, does it ever happen where they refuse to be rescued of course yeah it happens it's not easy so sometimes our organization does conduct some private rescues like for example if you know if there's a woman who's above the age of 18 and wants to exit the red light district we can help her do that so that happens yes but there there are many times when they just change their mind they'll be like oh we want to come and then on the day of coming they can't because they're they're being held back due to so many reasons sometimes it's lack of trust in us sometimes it's uh, just they, they have children who they're not able to bring out or they have some somebody else who's holding them you know a certain debt or or they're also just manipulated they've been brainwashed for tens of years so it's it's just sometimes it it takes a lot for them to even get out of there yes we have another question from siddhant who asks uh, what's an example of how you can create job opportunities or an example of reintegrating rescued women into society that is a great question thank you siddhant so uh a lot of these uh, women and it, it would be great if you can get in touch directly with me because this is a much longer conversation we have several ways where we get, try and get the girls training so especially post class 12 training is what works best for them because they don't have it in them to go through an entire uh, you know degree after degree kind of education format so sometimes if they can they join hotels where they learn housekeeping or they enter the kitchen department they start with the lowest level of commis chef and work their way up so something that's more skill oriented so there's several ways to do this uh, a lot of the companies have csr opportunities who provide these this training if we can get them jobs in for example hair styling makeup academies again something that only requires a class 12 level of education and then it's more about developing skills so that there's, there's a lot to do you know discuss in this space and it depends on what what are your connections and where you can open doors 
and we can see which of our girls fit that mold again like i said it's about finding her talent and what is she you know going to be able to live her life doing we don't want it to be temporary where we force her and say no you work in a beauty salon and then you know two years later she is like no i hate that job i don't like that life so it, it's about really figuring out you know what can she do and how we can help her fulfill that right uh coming back to what i asked you earlier for example if we have uh, someone who is in the sex trade right and if for example she is rescued and she is reintegrated into society however what happens when if she can't find a job and she decides to go back to her previous world his or her depending on whatever the gender right. how can we that situation or can we at all help that situation on an individual level how i mean of course the only way to do that is again to provide to understand you know what kind of a job is she looking for what is the education that she needs for the job and how do we chart that path out for her and sometimes we have girls who have left who left who leave you can free us and we they've exited and they are settled we've you know all of that but we follow up with them and we realize they are struggling so they may come back as well because they feel like no now i need to study a little bit of this or can you get me training in this and then they come back with the organization because they're not able to survive in the outside world so this happens and it doesn't always go right in the first try we you know so we let them back in and we we give it a second shot but of course we try and speed up the process as much as possible especially in the second time round because we are answerable to all the all the you know the entire board we're answerable to all our donors we can't just keep the same 20 girls for years they we have to show numbers we have to show that they you know that we are that this whole uh, program is a success so we so the second time round we would probably pressurize them a little bit more to kind of you know reach their goals faster if you understand what i'm saying yes yes i do uh, and when we say uh, domestic servitude how do we differentiate domestic servitude from domestic help okay it's i i feel like it's only a, a close observer can differentiate that and it, it's literally the person who is uh, going through it can you know is the one who has to also be aware of what their rights are someone who's who has you know no education and is very naive may never realize that they're actually under servitude and they deserve a lot more for the for the work they are putting in and maybe they're putting in work that they don't need to put in maybe they're going through abuse that is not okay so so i mean it's very hard to kind of you know give you a a proper answer to this to your question it, and it it just depends on really the moral compass of the society right on how they treat the health that yes. they have yes but then uh, what if you know the person say for example so let's say for example they have a help in the house who lives with them and who let let's say they give them a slap and right after giving them a slap they'll make them something nice to have so the child whoever even if he's above 14 would probably think okay she's so nice because to yeah. no better does that count as domestic i i think it does yes i don't uh, physical violence is not a part is not allowed in 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 the in, the, in any form 
I would think. So yeah, absolutely. Or any any way that the person is not being allowed to leave. If the person wants to leave, and if the person is in another country, and you and if you don't give them their papers, their passport, that falls under domestic servitude, and this happens a lot. And it doesn't only happen in India; it happens, you know, in Africa, where where people, you know, go to other countries, and they're told that they're gonna maybe go and teach a language, teach English, but actually they go and they get stuck in domestic servitude, and their papers are taken away. It happens in the Arab countries. It happens everywhere. And uh, if we see, if we see signs of modern slavery around us, whatever it is, whether it's organ trafficking, sex trade. Uh, forced marriages or uh, recruitment of child soldiers or any of those you know tick boxes how can we help so of course the first thing would be to call the the local police right. that is one we also have some helplines actually I have them written here there's a child labor helpline which is uh, 1098 yes so, yeah and then there is a women's helpline sexual abuse I think. child sexual anything it basically child abuse so yeah. it can be a child who you see is probably getting hit by the owner of a small tea stall you know it could be his own son but yeah. but yes you have the right to report it because you don't you don't know what else he must be enduring in any case so that's child labor child abuse uh, there's a women's helpline which is 1091 and then there is a 103 which is only in maharashtra for women So all of right, right, yeah. So you can you can also use that. So all of these are available. Yes, um, if you would call an 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 NGO, someone like you can free us. We would also have to report it to the police. You know, so that's that's just the the actual path. The only way it goes. We have a question. I mean, I know you've answered it, but just let me know if there's anything you haven't answered from that. Is that? Do you also evaluate slash support the rescued women with the help of psych professionals? I think you you just said that you do. Yes. Uh, moving on, when you when we talk about the recruitment of uh, child soldiers, I don't really understand what something like that means. So child soldiers are um, children who are recruited by armies, mostly your illegal armies or your terrorist armies all over the world which exist in in many countries today and they are sometimes used for just um not not only for as as soldiers but also used for helping around cooking cleaning they go through physical and sexual abuse too so yes they fall under the same umbrella of modern slavery and what are the signs of a forced marriage that we can tell by looking at some right um it is so hard to again say because you have to be i think in very close proximity to be able to recognize those signs it could be signs of a forced marriage it could be signs of an abduction or a girl being forced to do to be that she's being taken somewhere without her will so it could be either of the two but um the interesting part is the largest number of forced marriages today is in africa one would think india or asia but it's actually africa okay i didn't know that yeah yeah i assume it's there because we are the most unsafe country in the world for women right but i didn't know yeah that. 
Right. So, I mean, especially if you see people traveling, whether it's taxis, buses, um, airplanes, sometimes internationally traveling, you see a girl who is looking, you know, like she's scared, subdued, and there's a larger male figure or a woman figure next to her. You never know. I mean, I sometimes just look out for this, but uh, it's really hard to spot it. That's true. Right. And what do you, so there was a statistic that I learned again from the same call that I attended with your organization was that about 40 million, if I'm not wrong, 40 million people will be pushed to extreme poverty only because of COVID. So uh, I'm not sure of the numbers right. I thought it was 40 or 60 somewhere there. And, right. uh, is there any way we can ensure that modern slavery is not the way to go? The only way that I think we can do that is right now by creating awareness. Of course, providing and helping organizations that are already there in the forefront, that is one. And the second is advocacy, which I didn't manage to touch upon when we were discussing about what You Can Free Us does. But uh, like we have uh, various events that we organize worldwide. There have been like 5K marathons, art exhibitions, um, talks, dinners. Um, last year, we had a dinner for a, for a hundred people, which was a five-course dinner held at Tote in Mumbai. And we were hoping to do one again this year. Maybe we do a digital, like an online fundraiser. Let's see. It looks like that's the only way to go. So we're discussing that now. But... Um, Creating awareness is, is one big way to go. So Libertas, which is a, is a big project, has been the most challenging project that You Can Free Us has uh, so far done. Is It's, it's a book that has, it's, uh, that has been made for the young people, for the Generation Z, I believe. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So just to make sure that we don't have more generations of of perpetrators, of young boys who grow up to become the predators and perpetrators of women. And instead, they can champion the causes of women, you know, so that we can bring a balance in society, right? So I think that's the, that's the biggest way. This is only going to go with that reduced generation by a generation. And I think ours is one of the first generations to bring this into the forefront. Right. So, so that is the book. It's, it's a book. It's available on Kindle. It's available on Amazon. It is, it is being uh, uh, taught in various schools across Europe. It is, it is becoming a small subject that is being added into wow. syllabus. Yes. That, that's great. Yeah, news, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what. And it's interesting. The genesis of this book happened when our founder, Sujo, who you spoke to that day, he, when he was in the red light district and he noticed high school kids entering, yeah. you know, one of the brothel homes. And it, I mean, he's the son of an 18 year old, old also. So it was kind of heartbreaking for him to see how, you know, kids are going in probably for their first experience. But they're, they're these innocent kids who are now becoming perpetrators just because they don't know better, you know, and they think it's okay to be that. Yeah. That is that is what has to change. Yeah, I think, you know, we 
so there was this instance where a lot of people we have the red line district in pune is in, uh, most famously in budhwalpet while there are a lot of other mini ones all around right but that's that i know of the most and it's it's always you know a subject of jokes saying that you know if you're not getting any go to good budhwalpet and i've heard that as a child with my guy friends you know talking about right. it and i remember this one day there's this art collective that goes and uh, paints over the homes in uh, a lot of places so one of them was budhwalpet where we painted murals all of us and i remember getting lost in the middle and uh, i had asked uh, one of the ladies who lived there who very clearly lived there uh, how can i go and when i thanked her she had such a strange expression as though she wasn't used to people being nice to her and that kind of uh, it struck a chord to a certain extent and it did teach me that you know there is a particular world that i am protected from so true and yeah someone so we have a comment that says cabin crew on boat flights gets some training in identifying trafficking possible trafficking victims so that is my rakhi brother he's a pilot with indigo okay that is that is great yes we are aware of that and we hope that you are able to identify some victims with your training and you know at least you are doing your bit in some way that is great thank you so uh what can i add in what can individuals from various socio economic strata do for example someone let's say when i say socio economic i'm also talking about whether they're lower middle class upper middle class Whether they're below the poverty line, or so basically all the levels, and also I mean people with various uh, from various educational backgrounds. Okay, number one, educate your sons to be better human beings and to respect women and not objectify and use them and not think that it's okay to buy them. I think that is number one. Every person in every startup can do that. um of course and also uh, make your daughters and kids aware of the different ways where they could get stuck and how to be careful of the predators the promisers and you know the various ways where and and give them that basic education so that's for sure and the other ways are see what skill you have you know what skill do you think you can provide is there you know it's each person to its own in terms of how they can give everyone doesn't have to give in money of course if that is available that is the easiest way to give and people who have abundance of it can definitely do that but the ones who want to help and don't you know have abundance then fine you can just share your skill share your contacts share your friends speak about it talk to people yeah. about it yeah and spread and just spread the word create a ripple that's you know and if everyone just starts creating a ripple it it can be a massive wave right yes that that is very true i agree with you coming to a slightly lighter note what is a story from your experience with ethan freas that uh, maybe cemented your reason to be a part of the movement it's not just one story it's every time that i meet those girls that i see that you know 
and i'm not exaggerating it's literally the twinkles in their eyes you know just like little kids you know just happy to have another chance and another opportunity another you know chance get go you know at life it's just it's inspiring they inspire me Yeah so I I want to just keep going back and doing whatever little bit that I can just to see that just to and just to see them succeed Right and is there any social stigma that your organization faces for doing what you do No I don't think so I think the social stigma maybe there are people who face it like people who are attached to the organization face it in their families I don't know some of my family members may not you know think that this is a great organization for me to be attached to you know some of them do some of them think it's you know are proud of me for it some may think you know i've kind of lost the plot a little bit but right. th- i think that's about it but as the organization itself no the I, the government is very appreciative very supportive in most ways and uh, we try and protect the beneficiaries a lot so we don't give out our addresses we don't uh, put up boards our um, safe homes are treated as just young women's hostels like the ymca so we just say we're something like that and we we want to protect them because of the society that may not understand their history and what they have endured but as an organization no okay and for someone who wants to contribute their skills or their time what are the various skills that they can help use or something that they have that they can share with the organization or with the girls right so time wise we prefer that if someone wants to volunteer comes comes on a daily basis weekly basis monthly basis and comes for multiple number of times we don't feel like one visit like if someone wants to teach english for example yes we we can definitely you know create a space for a good english speaker or wants to or wants to teach hindi or wants to teach a subject but just coming one time and teaching one chapter is not going to help you know we need to program a schedule with you so that you can come over a year you can come once a week over 6 months come twice a week over 3 months come thrice a week or come every day for 2 months that's the only way that even that person will gain from the experience of you know dealing with the beneficiaries being attached to the organization it will be a learning for them and that's how they will also benefit and because you with with girls who have come from these backgrounds you have to really build a bond with them to even communicate with them even when you're teaching a language there they have to just want to be there and sit with you and listen to you and take it in from you it, it's it's not they're not the easiest students to have so yeah you have to have the patience and the time for it but it's yeah what about the skills I, what kind of skills can we share it is you know we can any skill that the girls can learn and then go out and get a job it's as simple as that you know like i said of course uh, skills of makeup hair styling um management training things that that which is one of your one of your success stories right the culinary yes yes we have a girl who who's now the sous chef at a coffee shop at the goregao westin and we have another girl who is a commie chef at the grand hyatt at 
China House. That's really yeah. So these lovely. are our two big success stories. Yes. That's so motivating to realize that you know when we can actually make a difference towards something. Yeah, and and it's kudos to these organizations to Four Seasons who lets them who has given them training to Hyatt to Westin who have you know soaked them in into their system with the trainings and the job opportunities. Yeah, that's true. We have a question. Uh, could you share some light on pornography and the fame and money that comes along with that, and how it can turn to slavery? Okay, so I'll be honest. I don't have too much information here because our specialty, uh, I mean, the two verticals that we have is the uh, women and children of sex trade and child labor, which is a new vertical that we've started only about a year ago. But I would only know uh, the details of pornography from from some reading material and documentaries that we have, uh, you know, watched. And yeah, and and I think it, that is something also that many. I I don't think anybody would. I think ninety nine percent of women don't get into it as their first option. I think they get into it because of the various social economic situations, political situations, and. Sometimes there's also a predator involved to kind of pull them in, maybe by uh, false promises and um, things like that. But uh, and they might they they probably can lose control through the process of being a part of the pornographic in the industry. They they can lose control and get sucked further into the sex trade also. Yeah, something I read uh, recently said that most, uh, specifically most Indian porn that's available online, uh, most of that, about eighty percent of that, is non-consensual, which gets recorded eventually. And uh, I hope that changes, and I hope we understand the what it brings to the table rather than just saying I need to, you know, watch something online. Yeah, I mean that's what but, I'm saying. I don't. No, besides education and just raising the moral compass, how the problem at large is going to get solved? You know, that's what I believe. Coming back to the skills, what can we do other than uh, right, right? It it is about any skill that somebody has. Like for example, if you like you're a photographer, if you can teach. A girl to be a photographer, someone who can be, you know, can probably reach your level and actually hold shoots and sustain yes. a living outside. Yes. So it's any skill that you have that you feel like I can pass, and you know, and you just run it by us. And if we feel like yes, it's possible. So what our team also d- does is judges each beneficiary's um, uh, growth in terms of their language, speaking, communication. Some of them take some time to start communicating openly also. They have been uh, abducted as children and are, are living, you know, in closed rooms with no sunlight for years at end that they forget how to communicate. So, yeah, so, so based on what the skill is and what it entails and what the requirements would be for the beneficiary to to be able to hone those skills and learn those skills. Once we feel like the two are a match, you know, we can organize 
for this to happen so it can be can be like it, like it can be baking for example we we are very keen we feel like these are these are some things that women also have intrinsically you know are good at so some of yeah. those skills i mean i don't want to be gender specific but we're just trying to make it easy on them right we don't want to tell them that you know you you should be a football coach because it may not come to them as easily if there's someone who shows interest in it it's different but um, but yeah so if if a few of them can learn how to bake maybe they can run a small baking business or if they can learn if there's a chef who would like to teach them how to you know uh, cook simple clean indian food we can run a small dabba business they can kind of exit and start their own dabba business from their apartment so yeah. it's kind of limitless it's about whatever skill you have and you tell us that you know this is the skill i'm willing to to give and you know it just has to help them set up in life in the future well that makes sense yeah that that really does make sense and uh what are do, are there any particular telltale signs of a predator or perpetrator that we can understand i think a perpetrator would be uh trying to be overprotective of the the girl or the child he may also come across he or she may also come across as um you know aggressive or they could also be a master manipulator and we may not be able to tell but the combination of the perpetrator and the victim is you know can provide the signs together right where where it feels like they're trying to dominate over the other person right yeah i mean you have to kind of recognize from your own experience of you know of being with your parent to understand that this is not looking like a parent child or a relative child relationship this is looking more than that you know something right. else have you ever had an instance in your circle where someone actually was able to tell that that person was a perpetrator has that ever happened not in as per not in my knowledge no but i have seen i i have seen the team be very alert even when they're just normally traveling from from one meeting to another meeting this is something that you know you and i don't get very easily me now after a few years but i would just be like oh why are you looking into that cab they're trying to see oh can you see that guy can you see that girl you know what do you think they look okay so they they're just very vigilant in general having said that no they haven't i don't have a story which i've heard that they have actually found somebody and been able to help no and what is tell me something about a success story about something which really warms your heart right so like i was telling you the for us the biggest success story is of this girl who came into the organization and she um was was married off really early to a really old man who um was quite cruel with her to the extent of dropping her baby in a well their baby in a well you know so i mean moral compass of another level but um she got sold by him and a lady in the her neighbor a lady and uh, ended up into several years of uh, sexual slavery 
ultimately rescued by the government reached you can free us and then the organization is interacting with her and asking her so what is it that you want to do she's going through all her therapies and you know checkups and everything and and she said but i don't want to study more you know and mostly they're very easy to motivate in some direction you know the beneficiaries because it's because you try make them realize you know what they can do what they can achieve and you know how we are willing to live the dreams with them just so that they can start dreaming but this for this girl she only we we prefer to not take names so i'm just going to keep referring to her as this girl so this girl she only all she wants to do is get married and have babies so she's like you want me to learn cooking i'll learn you want me to learn how to deal and and some of the beneficiaries come with their own children so it it's a great success for us when we are able to rescue a beneficiary and one two even three children sometimes because you feel like you're saving four lives three lives you know with one mission so uh, there are children in the house and she loves taking care of the children the children love her so that is what she thinks she's made for and it's this it's this big situation in the organization where they feel like the only way she's going to be happy or exit the program is if she gets married now she's definitely not uh, like we feel like they felt like they couldn't trust her enough to go and find her own person they felt like she would take wrong decisions again because they are very very naive and can get pulled back and the easiest way to pull them back is to promise them love or marriage and they will easily get pulled back and go back into the trade that person will sell them again into the trade so in order to avoid any of that the organization literally started looking out for a boy and they found someone who they interviewed and he happened to be an orphan and he was accepting of her situation after they met of course then they shared the situation with him and he was accepting of it and and they decided that they wanted to get married and they arranged this beautiful ceremony um they were christian so they arranged this beautiful uh, ceremony in one small garden of a building which i think one of the staff members reside in and uh, just put some fairy lights and one white table and some candles and it it was lovely and that that was my first experience also with the organization so i'll never forget it and even today we uh, share pictures you know of of this wedding and it's yeah it it, it is one of a, it's a big success story and even now she the organization stays in touch with the beneficiaries for the longest time till we can track them you know for 5 10 15 years even and uh, and she's till date she's she's very happy apparently she's very dominating and her and she you know and her husband takes really good care of her so that's sweet i'll share another small one was um there's this um uh, girl who came to the organization came to you can free us spent about a year and felt like she wanted to go back into that world and like we said it's all by consent so we can counsel them but we can't stop them so she goes back and then 6 months later she comes back again saying that please take me back i made a mistake so our so our you know our uh, ceo sheetal she's very very generous so she is like of course you're coming back you're like my child you're coming back you made a mistake this time you know you'll you'll make more use of the amenities that you're provided here so um but we realized she's come back pregnant and you know so all we can do is just encourage her to accept the baby because now it's already 3 4 months and anyways there's you know you want to uh, accept and love a, a baby who's being born by no fault of its his own or her own right so and she's really and she's she was really struggling to accept the baby because she was so upset that this man who's told her was going to marry her and 
that's how this baby happened has now dis- decided to leave her hence she was helpless and she decided to come back so now she doesn't want the baby she's really upset about it and everyone's trying to you know support her through the pregnancy and then it one of the team members decided that we're going to do a small baby shower for her now she's 7 to 8 months pregnant and they actually did a small baby shower and we have some lovely pictures even from here where they dressed her up and they and you know everyone got gifts for her and she suddenly started feeling special she felt like this baby is going to you know make me a better person make me a more loved person and she she discovered self love by people just showering love on her on that one day and now she's a great mom she's still with us and her baby's really cute and he's growing you know to be a really uh, happy boy and yeah and and she's uh, she's happy she's doing a lot better than you know we thought she would so that's another success story so yeah there there are plenty and it's great to like you know think of think of them and i'm so glad you asked me to share success stories because it's it's so important to look back yes it is and i'm so glad and this is so heartwarming it's just it's just made my day i really loved it i didn't know about these ones so i'm i'm quite glad that brings us to the end of our session so thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this and helping us educate more people about modern slavery and what they can do i am so grateful for you to join this i'm really happy that you were here no i'm grateful to you for having me and this has been so nice i've i've enjoyed speaking with you me too me too i hope the people watching had a nice time so i hope so someone just said thank you manmeet for sharing nahida said thank you manmeet oh. for sharing you could be us with us so much to learn about modern slavery education awareness is definitely a good start that is true so i hope thank you nahida so thank you so much this was a great great session i am so glad that we did this thank you thank you lots of love see you bye thank you riya thank you bye bye so that was manmeet arora who is a fire brand of a person i hope you guys enjoyed this one this was so important to me because when i started this out i didn't want to talk about the pandemic or real things and now i'm finally doing it i hope you had a good time this is stories with shastri if you have any feedback let me know if you if you think i should bring someone else on let me know if uh, you think i can do anything to make this better let me know and uh, yeah i'm going to see you on the other side